It was 1998. Our girls were uh, 15 and 13 years of age. I would not in general take my daughters to an R-rated movie, especially one that was full of raw violence, but as a society, we tend to glamorize war and we forget the great cost that is given to thwart evil in this world. We tend to forget what a great cost it is physically, but we also tend to forget what a great cost it is emotionally and mentally. War changes people. And we don't often acknowledge that. So this day in 1998, this day would be a reality check for my daughters. It was something that her mother, their mother and father uh, wanted to do to bring truth into a world of fantasy. It was to be a historical reminder of what happened during World War II prior to their birth and prior to even mine. How many of you saw the movie Saving Private Ryan? Oh, many of you have. Good. It was a story set in World War II during the D-Day invasion. I've had the privilege in my life to know two individuals who were on the shore of Normandy uh, during D-Day. One was actually the uh, Jeep driver for General Patton. He was in his 90s. He was in a church in Alpena, Michigan. Do you remember? The other guy was a cartographer, a map maker for General Patton, who said he hated the guy because he was such a ferocious warrior, he would send in an order for plans to take two cities, and by the time he got the map work done, he was already two cities beyond that. That's how fast he moved. But those two men had nothing but praise for military men and especially for the, for the generals that he served under. And so I had the privilege of having firsthand uh, descriptions of that day, and I got news for you. That was, oh my goodness, 10 years ago, Deborah. When those men talked about that D-Day invasion, it was like it happened right then. I mean, the memories were just seared in their minds about that day. And uh, often with tears, just uh, amazing things. The story springs, springboards off the news that all five boys of the Sullivan family were killed as they served together on the same ship during the Battle of Guadalcanal in the Pacific Theater. The military made efforts immediately to see that a family would never again lose all of its sons during a time of war. Uh, with this effort, news came that Private Ryan's brother was killed, and so they The hunt was to find him, send him back to his Iowa home, lest another family be deprived of all of their sons. Several of these men were killed trying to find that one man. Several of those men, by simply doing their duty, were killed so that one man might live. On this Memorial Day weekend, we honor those men and women who served our nation, often representing our own community 
by paying the ultimate price. I never knew this. I knew something about it. But when the Vietnam War was going on, that was the 60s, I was in elementary school. My mother and father tried to shield me as best they could from any of that stuff for fear that it would uh, cause nightmares or whatever. But our neighbor's son was in the Air Force and was shot down over Vietnam and was killed. And I didn't realize that until I got in my teenage years and started mowing lawns for my neighbors and all of a sudden the stories would come out. So war has touched us, Lord. Uh, you know, it touches our community. It touches those uh, that we rub elbows with. We may not know it, but all families are touched by those types of things. So today we celebrate what exemplifies courage and strength and perseverance in times where none would be expected. We celebrate ordinary people that end up doing extraordinary things. It may happen with a husband in defending his wife or a mother in defense of her children. It may simply be someone who believes in justice and righteousness and is willing to die for those principles. Honestly, men and women, during the great wars, the, the Korean conflict in Vietnam, Many of those men did not go voluntarily. They went because of the draft. They were compelled under law to serve. And they did. Because they were duty-minded. Many volunteered. My own grandfather lied about his age in order to serve in the army during World War I. He was 17 years of age. He ditched school, went to the uh, army recruiter, signed up, and came home, told his mom and dad, 17 years of age. They sent him to Belgium. Personal honor, family honor, love of country, love of liberty, hatred for evil or injustice. Yeah, I, we don't know what motivates a person to go and fight. Many died and we will never know the heart issue that compelled them to go and give the ultimate sacrifice. But we do have a person full of strength and courage and perseverance that gave his life for you and I this morning. Gave his life for God, God and kingdom. And we do know his motivation. And so if you will turn with me please in the scriptures this morning to the letter to the Roman church, Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 6. Romans 5 and 6, if you have a Bible this morning, a Bible app on your phone, if you have neither of those, there will be that up on the screen as always. Romans 5, um, actually beginning in verse 7, I'm sorry. Verse 7. If someone were to ask you this morning, what would be the cause or what would you be willing to do? What event or person would you be willing to give your life for? Most of us would say, well, it depends on the person. You see, we tend to put classifications on people, unfortunately. The higher up we go the, on the value ladder, the easier it becomes to say, yes, yes, I'll give my life for that person the more that we have a personal connection to that person, a love for a person, the more likely we'd at least think about it. Parents, I would give my life for my children. Teachers, we've seen in the past in school shootings where teachers 
and administrators gave their life for those children. Pastors. We've seen pastors give their lives for their congregations. Firefighters and police officers and good Samaritans. We, we all have our value systems, our motives when it comes to the ultimate sacrifice. The value system is spelled out for us here in the scriptures in verse 7 of our text today. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. See, that's, that's the human value system right there. Paul does a very good job of explaining that. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good, a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. It doesn't sound like very much hope, does it? Two descriptions, righteous and good. These two may be a little confusing, so let's take a closer look at them to see what the value system actually is. A righteous man is one who is just in his dealings with others. He, he deals rightly. He's honest and respected in the community, but he also is a bit legalistic and cold. He's distant. We think about the Pharisees at this point. The, these people... Uh, thought that by obeying the law, they were made perfect or right before God. They had a pretense before them of godliness and holiness, one that separated them from the ordinary people. But as Jesus would say, they are whitewashed tombs with dead bones inside. Rarely would anyone consider dying for such a man. Why? Their answer would be, why would they need to? Because there's no heart connection, there's no intimate relationship, and there's no spiritual need. If they're perfect because they obey the law, then there's no reason for someone to die for them. Does that make sense? Rarely would anyone die for one that's distant and disconnection, disconnected and, and righteous. A good man may be also a righteous man, but he has the humanity element to him he loves people he loves God he goes the extra mile to help others in their time of need he takes the time to connect with them on a deeper level or level he has a heart relationship with them that would even open up the possibility that that someone might die for that person someone might value him to the point where they would give their own life for him but you see this too is a stretch I started in verse 7, but I I want you to go back to verse 6 and then to verse 8. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ did something. And who did he die for? That's an interesting distinction, isn't it? If I might stop here for a moment and ask, what does it mean when the Bible says that we were powerless It means that we had no way of restraining the power of sin in our life. It controlled us. And because of that, it kept us from a true relationship with God. And it also keeps us from a true relationship with each other. And while we were in this condition, the text says that Christ died for the ungodly. Notice that he didn't say he died for the righteous. Notice it doesn't say that he died for a good person. 
He died for the person that we would least expect him to die for. He died for the ungodly. He died for the person that we would vote, go ahead and let him be killed. Go ahead and let him be sentenced. Because we don't value that person. I have a good friend who's in the prison system. In fact, he was the director of the prison chaplaincy for the entire state of Pennsylvania and was a regional director even out west. And one of the things that he goes into churches to try to communicate is this. Those men and women are in the image of God. They're broken people. They need to be valued. And they need to be told that they're valued. Because how many of those men and women were actually little boys and little girls who grew up in homes where their parents and their teachers didn't value them and they were passed from person to person if they did have parents and they grew up all of their life thinking I have no value well I got news for you when you feel like your life has no value you're going to view others with no value we are guilty of that as people of just not valuing individuals of looking at people with a judgmental eye and in some way saying they deserve what they're getting. God help us. We need to repent of that. He died. Jesus died for the the person that we would have voted to be killed. He died for the crowd that cheered crucify. Crucify. You see, he died for you and me. And what was the motivation? Look with me, please, at verse 8. But God demonstrated his own church love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you want to know why someone would die for a person that by our definition is not highly ranked, look no further than love. We may not have an intimate personal relationship with God, but as our creator, he has one with us and he's had it from the very beginning. He created us from the womb and saw how fearfully and wonderfully made every single person is. And he loved us from the beginning. Our worth is not wrapped up in what we do or how much money we have or what our social status is. Our worth is determined by our association with our creator. We all have value before God because we are His creation, His possession, and He loves us irrespectively of what we are and what we have ever done. And at this point, you may be stopping me and saying, wait a minute, Dan, the Father isn't sacrificing Himself, He's sending another. And isn't that easier to do? I'm not going to die for Rob, I'll send another person to die for Rob. Wait a minute, Pastor, that's not what we've been talking about. You're right. But I want you to see how that's actually even a deeper love. Is is this the same? I'm going to give you two answers, yes and no. I'm going to start with the no first. No, it's different because you cannot separate the triune God from each other. Whatever happens to the other happens to the other too. Whatever grieves the Father grieves the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Whatever angers the Son, angers the Father and the Holy Spirit. Whatever brings joy to the Holy Spirit, brings joy to the Father and Son. They are three persons, but one essence. So when the Father sacrifices His Son, He sacrifices Himself. You can't separate those things out. It's the great mystery of the Trinity, nonetheless true. Yes, but is it different? Yes, it is. It's different in that the love that the Father shows is even more intense, intense than intentionally thought. Who among us would voluntarily offer our child up to die for a wicked, ungodly person? All who vote no, raise your hand. Every single one of you should. I would never, ever send my child to die for someone who was wicked, ungodly. I'm going to look at that person and say, you get what you deserve. I love my child too much to waste my child on a person like you. Did you hear the language I used? Isn't that, isn't that does that, I don't know what that does internally to you, but when I say it out loud, it makes me cringe a little bit. Maybe it's the way that I'm saying it, but maybe that's the way I want to say it. I am not going to waste my child, my good and innocent and perfect child on an ungodly, wicked person like you. You get what you deserve. <gasps> but isn't that what God did? Now do you see it, church? Now do you see the intense love that God has for you and me, because that's exactly what he did. He gave his one and only begotten son, perfect in every way, holy in every way, no sin within, no sin without, his beloved son, and he killed him in your place and in mine. Wow, what an amazing thing. I have a question for you. It's actually a little bit of an imagination. My house is burning down. And I'm in a panic on what to do. My children are inside. One of the neighbors comes running out of the house with a cell phone in hand and calls the fire department. And they're, in, they're there in a matter of minutes. And I run to meet them and I say, Oh, thank God. Thank God you're here. Thank you for coming. And they proceed to get the hoses out. And I go, Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? I don't want you to do anything. I, I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad that the solution to my home burning down and my children dying is available, but I'm not really quite ready for that. Can you just hold off a little bit until I make up my mind? Are you putting the story together? We gather together on this day to remember, to be reminded that God, in the form of a man, came into this world to die, to offer the greatest sacrifice, and no, it was not for righteous people, and no, it was not for good people, and no, it wasn't for almost good people. It was for blatant, wicked, rebellious, sinful people. 
for you and for me. What a wonderful Memorial Day. That's every Sunday though, isn't it? If you've not embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, you're standing at a house that's burning down and the fire department is on your front door. And all you need to do is to say, turn the hose on. Save me and my family. Would you do that this morning? That's all you need to say. God, save me. Save my family. God hears those prayers. They're not elaborate theological things that scholars in white towers write. It's simple, heartfelt, I need you, Jesus, prayers that bring you into the kingdom of God. So if you've not done that today, would you do that? To silently ask God to help, to save, to bring. If you've already done that, if you've by faith received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'd like to take you back to saving Private Ryan. At the end of the movie, Private Ryan, in his retirement years, goes back to France to the graveside of those who died so that he might live. And he says to his wife, tell me that I'm a good man. Tell me that I've not wasted my life. What a shame it would be for Christ to die and we not return. Live for him. Church, tell me that I'm a good man. Tell me that I've not wasted my life. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the sacrifice that was given so that we can be here today in celebration of new life and hope. Oh God, we take those things so for granted. And Father, we thank you for the ideal that comes out of the great love of God for ungodly, wicked people, for those who have went into battle, who've went into war thousands and thousands of miles away from home in order that it didn't wind up on our shores. And we ask God for just your blessing to be on their families. Whether it was a grandfather or a father, grandmother or a mother, a spouse, a brother or sister, whether it was a neighbor or a friend or a co-worker, we pause and give thanks today for their service and for the ultimate sacrifice of giving their life. It all comes back around, though, to Jesus, Lord. Uh, for without him, fighting for those things would mean absolutely nothing. And so, God, we give you thanks and we praise you for that wonderful gift of his salvation and his life for us. Oh, Father, tell us that we're good people. Tell us that we haven't wasted our lives. We've embraced Jesus, and now we want to live for him. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said with me, please. Amen. God's peace to you. If we can pray for you this morning, come on up.
we'd be happy to do that.